Hi everyone, just jumping in here to give you a wee snippet of Culture Vulture, our pop culture podcast. So if you want to break from the news, you should jump over and subscribe to it. A big thank you to Neon, our favourite New Zealand streaming service, for making this episode of Culture Vulture happen. Kia ora everybody. Kia ora everyone. Welcome back to another episode of, I was about to say the shit show. Goodness, getting a bit of potty mix up, are mm, we? That's what happens when you just do the most. <laughs> <laughs> I just do the most in the world. In Out the of everyone. World. Two podcasts. God fucking forbid. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, welcome back to Culture Vulture. Liv, how the hell are you? Yeah, actually, I'm feeling really good today, oh, which is nice. It's great. And you can yeah. say that honestly today? I can say that honestly. <laughs> today usually I just lie so straight through yeah, and fucking take and what about you Liz I'm good I've just recorded a podcast with Chris Clemens which very exciting yes. even though I don't really know who he is Liv doesn't really know who he is he's sort of like comedian youtuber he's just fucking cool to be honest and so that was really fun also me and Liv have an exciting interview coming up with Benny we do for those of you who aren't a New Zealander you may not know who Benny well, she's is oh no so she's global. quite international isn't she now I was about to sing a preview of one of her songs <laughs> however Oi. we just got some feedback from a kind of rude listener <laughs> that commented um that left a review on Apple saying um, the podcast is really good and interesting info, except for Lucy's singing really puts me off. Like, she sings too much. And it was on the shit show, and to be honest, last week I was a bit cray, and I did sing a lot. I sung an off-key version of Never Gonna Give You Up, like, intentionally. Would you say pretty much every podcast has a little bit of a singing demonstration? The shit show, probably the shit show, yeah, which is weird because it's a news podcast. Anyway, she sings that song oh, oh i thought you were talking no. about yourself like anyway she sings anyway lucy over here this is what they're talking about no yeah she sings that song soaked, soaked? no her most famous one super, super lonely. lonely that and the tiktok dance that goes along with it she's really fucking cool so, so hard not to not to tell you the song without singing it I know, I know. No, she's really, really cool. I'm actually so excited to Same. interview her. She's another New Zealand. Yeah, though, and so I, I think we're going to have a wee chat about mental health. So Always. that will be really interesting. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. That should be in your ears next week. If not, the week after. Hopefully we've got our shit together and everything we say here is true. Absolutely. And it all happens. Absolutely. So Lucy, I was wondering, what piece of content or what thing described your week? The thing that described my week, kind of basic, but noodle, the bones or no bones part. Oh, no, see, that's not basic. That's, I mean, I'm not on TikTok. Again, why do I always say this? No, every episode, Liv has to declare <laughs> that she's not on TikTok. It's like I think I'm morally superior. I don't. It's anyway, so funny. We're not even going to go there. Bones. But, Noodle. You know, the pug. If you're not on TikTok like Liv, you've probably still seen it like Liv. But basically, he's a pug, and he's 13 years old, and sometimes if you pick him up and put him down, he flops, and that means it's a no-bones day, so you should have a chill one. And if he stands up rigidly, it's a bones day, you should go and get that bag. Wait, so how does this describe your week? Well, because I've had a few bones and a few not bo- no-bones days, so like, I have been noodle, essentially. We've had a few chill ones, haven't we? Oh, look, we've had a few chill ones, had a long weekend, so... So a couple of no bones in there. It's quite nice to have a no bone every now and then. No bones for quite a while in our lives. Love what has described your week. (laughs) 
Okay, this is so weird. But it's the first thing that came to my head. So basically, yesterday we went on a walk. It was really nice. I was barefoot most of the time. So the thing that describes my week is the barefoot Contessa. I used to what love that. <laughs> and also, you weren't barefoot most of the time. You were barefoot for like half an hour on the way home. <laughs> but that's okay. No. <laughs> I felt like I was barefoot. I just felt... So free. Yeah, I loved it. Anyway, the Barefoot Contessa, I knew you would have absolutely no clue about what this is, was a cooking show on the Food Channel. The Barefoot Contestant? No. Because <laughs> it's kind of gross if you're cooking. I think her name was Contessa or something. Oh. I can't remember anything about it. It was oh. the first thing that came to my head. So, yeah. so they can, Lovely. Well, look, we're getting closer and closer to Carrot every week. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to last week's episode... <laughs> You probably still won't even know what that means. So, Liv, naughty or nice this week, what is your first story for us? So, my first story is Dave Chappelle and the Netflix walkout. So, this has been everywhere. Everywhere. And I've actively not really looked into it because I was kind of hoping that you'd talk about it on here. Yes. So, it was actually really interesting to look into. I didn't really know... Who Dave Chappelle was. Neither. Like, when I saw his photo, I was like, oh, that guy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, have you... Haven't watched any of his stuff, no. No. Okay, cool, cool. So we're on the same page. So first thing is first, who is Dave Chappelle? So Dave Chappelle is a 48-year-old comedian. He's been very successful. He's won heaps of awards, Emmys, Grammys, the Mark Twain Prize. He's also been in a few movies. Um, his work has a heavy focus on American race relations, and he's been known to be quote-unquote fearless when it comes to his approach to comedy. Okay. And now I get the feeling fearless is going to be quite an important sort of idea. It is. It is. It's sort of the bones of the story. Right. So what does Dave Chappelle have to do with Netflix and what happened? So he signed a deal with Netflix in 2016 for a series of stand-up specials. Mm -hmm. This deal was rumoured to be worth like $20 $20 million or something crazy Fuck. like that. So this was a big deal. Netflix had a lot of backing in mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle. So there's been a series of controversies around his comedic content, pretty much like... Like most comedians? Of, yeah, like most comedians. Um, but the one we're going to be talking about today revolves around his material in the most recent special, which is titled The Closer. So Dave has been accused of transphobic and homophobic comments throughout the special. An example of this is when he discussed J.K. Rowling's cancellation, classifying her as a TERF, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, and then goes on to say that he is team TERF. Um, oh my god! He also goes on to purposefully mix up the LGBTQ acronym alongside a whole other bunch of derogatory jokes. Okay, that's... Gross. That's actually not all good. Yeah, so exactly. I think with Chappelle, he's not, like, deemed to be a malicious person, mm-hmm. but he is punching down. Yeah. Have you you know yeah. what punching down is. Yeah. So it's basically when you're, like, talking about a group that's more of a minority than your own group. I and think. you're not part of the community. Yeah, exactly. So He's actually just being an asshole. Those yeah, horrible jokes. Exactly. So Chappelle says in the special that he has never had an issue with transgender people and that his plight has always been with white people. But comedian Jay McBride, who is a trans woman, said this to CNN. I know Chappelle says that he wasn't punching down, but he's absolutely punching down. 
when you're just taking this mean position against a minority, no matter who the minority is or who you are, it just comes off wrong. And then she went to say that it's not that jokes about trans people can't be funny, it's just that Chappelle's weren't. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting quote. And I also find what I find it quite interesting. It's like comparing apples and oranges. It's like just because some jokes you make, you think they're okay yeah. because maybe you can make them because you're from the community that they're about, doesn't mean that the other jokes that you make are okay. Absolutely. And like he always talks about comedians, like comedians are his tribe and he's trying to protect like the whole concept of you should be able to make jokes about shit. It's like, it's changing, man. Like mm. the world is changing. What is deemed acceptable is okay. We're learning the the consequence of making jokes like this. Yeah, I just, I think, yeah, obviously there are things that you can still joke about. There's a lot that you still can joke about. Like this maybe just you have to it. get a little bit more clever. Yes. And then there was also another trans comedian, Nat Puff, told CNN, I want to like Dave Chappelle so much. But when he talks about the trans community, he's not talking about them. He's speaking out against them. And that's the difference between saying something funny about the trans community and saying something offensive about the trans community. Mm. And it's like, that is as much as you need to know whether something's okay or not okay. As soon as someone from the community says, that's not okay. Absolutely. Especially comedians within the community. They know the art. They know the craft. Mm. They know where the line is. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Employees at Netflix then spoke internally about the Netflix-Dave Chappelle partnership Mm -hmm. and the company's leadership expressed support for the comedian. So then Netflix employees staged a walkout on the 20th of October in response to their workplace supporting a comic who rails against transgender identity. And they actually fired the leader of this group. Yeah, I read about that. The person that organised the walkout got fired for what? Releasing confidential information, in quote marks. I know, it's really, really wild. Like, I'm sorry, Netflix. How do you think that you are supporting the trans community in any way, shape or form by one, letting Chappelle continue... And two, firing the person that's taking a stand. So the group also issued sort of a list of demands that they want from Netflix, how they would like the company to sort of improve. Um, So that consists of more in-trans and non-binary talent and content, along with involving more input from marginalized communities around potential harmful or sensitive content on the streamer. The group is also asking the company to recruit more trans leadership, especially by Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting that they have to make those demands in the first place. I know, absolutely. Bro, that's cool. Just like you're the fucking biggest streaming service in the world. Maybe look at who your audience is and see that they're full of multiple different types of people. Absolutely. And it just shows when people do rally together that they can hopefully get shit changed. But yeah, only time will tell to see if Netflix actually picks up on what they're Well, and if Dave Chappelle shows any sense of remorse, the last thing I read from him was that he said, I said what I said, and Mm. that that's all we've heard. Exactly. So that's interesting. Oh, so Liv, I'm assuming this is a naughty from the naughty. Yeah, I think it's safe to assume it absolutely is a naughty 
from the naughty or nice list. And next one is Billy Porter shredding Vogue for Harry wearing a dress. Now, when she says Harry, we, we just refer to him with one, <laughs> one name because we assume you all know who I'm talking about. Absolutely. Harry the Harry. I don't think much else has to be said. Um, So basically, Harry was the first lone male cover that Vogue had ever had in 127 years of the magazine being in the world. Which is wild, eh? Which is crazy. I didn't realise that at all. Neither. He was photographed wearing a dress on the December issue in 2020, and Billy Porter is not happy about it. So you may know Billy Porter as a fairy godmother in the Cinderella remake with Camilla Cabello, which is actually very much in the tone of today's episode. It is. We haven't even introduced, but the second half of this episode is about all the things that were ruined by having a remake or a sequel, like movies and books that have just been fucked. Cinderella, one of them. Yeah, Cinderella has made this. (laughs) We'll get there. Absolutely. So, Billy Porter has been known as a gender-fluid fashion icon. He often wears gowns on the red carpet and looks really amazing. In an interview with the Sunday Times, Billy spoke about the Vogue cover of Harry, saying it was one of the reasons that he, as in Billy, remained an underdog in fashion. So, Billy, this is a quote from Billy Porter. He said, I changed the whole game. I personally changed the whole game. That is not ego, that is just a fact. I was the first one doing it, and now everybody is doing it. I created the conversation in brackets, about non-binary fashion, and yet Vogue still put Harry Styles, a straight white man in a dress, on their cover for the first time. So Billy insisted that he wasn't dragging Harry, but he said that his dedication to challenging gender norms through clothing wasn't motivated by lived experience. Harry's. Harry's, Mm. yes. So he quoted again, he doesn't care, as in we're talking about Harry, he's just doing it because it's the thing to do. This is politics for me. This is my life. I've had to fight my entire life to get to the place where I could wear a dress to the Oscars and not be gunned down. All he has to do is be straight and white. And so our audience sent this into loose, which was a comment from American model Rain Dove Dablewski, um, which was left on an Instagram post by the Gay Times about this story. So it said... I think in general the sentiment is absolutely correct in this interview. The racism is absolutely there and Billy hasn't been celebrated as highly as Harry. BIPOC queer creatives are constantly silenced and it is a toxic issue that requires our voices to address. On that I stand with Billy. I do want to say though that Billy Porter's quote, I am the one who started the conversation around non-binary fashion, isn't correct though. This conversation has been one happening throughout history by many people. In the UK, everyone from Grace Jones to David Bowie to Prince to various royalty to the 1500s Barrett Powell defied gender norms at their own life's risk in the fashion industry and spoke on the need for genderless or genderqueer fashion. I also would note that Billy claims that Harry is straight, and I know for a fact that Harry's sexuality is queer and fluid, so that's important to get. However, once again, I'm not saying that Billy's sentiment is wrong. I debated even commenting on this, but the interview really erases the historical and significant impacts of other non-binary, queer, BIPOC, and trans contributors to industry. It also harmfully erases a person's identity, and that's not right to do. 
Give Billy a Vogue cover, of course. Give more of our community visibility in general, especially disabled, BIPOC, and trans community members. But anyone inspired by the article, the takeaway shouldn't be that Billy invented the dialogue around non-binary or that Harry is straight. It should be about racial disparities in media coverage and general injustice of credit where credit is due. Final note, Billy likely risked more on their path than Harry did and does. That deserves its own respect as well. Yeah, so I wrote about this in the newsletter as well, Liv, and I was really, really glad that this comment existed from someone who was part of the community, again, because it was not a place for us to sort of insert ourselves in it. Also, like, I did not feel the need to get up in arms about Harry, um, like, defending Harry or whatever, because I don't feel like just because we're a fan of Harry, he can do no wrong. Not to say he did any wrong. Here, but I, yeah, I felt like that hit the nail on the head. That comment, I think it was a very, very eloquent comment. And yeah, I, I mean, it's not even about what I think really, but I think what Rain said really reflected what my thought process was when I was first reading this article. Me too. And I thought some interesting parts of this, which again, Rain already said, was that yes. Fuck, it would have been way harder for Billy to do anything, to wear what he wanted to wear on the red carpet. Like, not just because he would have been doing it for Harry, but because he's also a person of colour and he was, you know, he's older. And I just, I agree. The path there would have been way fucking harder. I just feel like that's the reason to pave the way, isn't it? So it's easier for other people to express themselves. Yeah, I feel like when he was making these quotes, he could have chosen, and it's entirely up to him. I see where he's coming from, but he could have chosen to maybe not say that Harry doesn't care and Harry's straight and just assume these things about Harry. There were a lot of assumptions within that quote. Yeah, and he could have been, you know... He could have seen it as himself paving the way, although he didn't get enough credit, I think, for that, and that's what's really hurting him. Also, I fucking love Bill Porter, and fucking all power to him. Like, you have a right to say what you want to say. I also know he's releasing a book, so right. I think this is all leading up to his book release. Well, because, yeah, that I was intrigued about why this was coming up now. Me too. When it was, what, almost a year ago. Mm. So I think, yeah, there are, there's room for both to exist. There's room for Billy to be upset because Billy hasn't been on the cover of Vogue in a dress, even though Billy's been doing it for ages. But there's also room for Harry Styles, who has such a influence in our culture, to dress how he wants to dress and for us not to assume that he's doing it for a certain reason, with a certain agenda, with a certain sexuality. Absolutely. And I do think like it's probably good that it has been brought up in terms of Vogue really realising, yes. you know, the implications of their choices. And also us not giving too much credit to the white man, sto- like the white yeah. man doing it. I think that's a great point. And yeah, I love that it's been brought up. I find it really interesting to talk about and like to consider. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I love them both. But for there's sure. room for them both to just do their thing. So being in lockdown in Auckland, we literally have all the time in the world just to watch TV. Well, that's what it feels like. I found my new favourite show, Succession, on Neon. Yes, oh my god, you've said so much about Succession. Also, we absolutely devoured that season of White Lotus, remember Liz? That does not even feel like it was in lockdown, but yes, we did. 
In case you couldn't tell, Neon is our favorite New Zealand-based streaming service, and the best part is you can get a 14-day free trial to test it out. And absolutely none of this would be possible without Neon. They let us chat about White Lotus as part of our job, which is literally the best fucking thing ever. It actually is. Shot Neon. Thanks, Neon. I hate to do this to you all, but if you want to hear the rest, which I know you do, head over to Culture Vulture wherever you get your podcasts. Love you.